a lot of it for those of us like yourself and me who are more on the implementation side, we really are curious about AI. We want to know how it's going to affect our day-to-day job. How do we implement it for our customers? Our customers really that interested in it? How will it change our jobs? And really, is anyone pushing for it as hard as Salesforce thinks they're going to push for it? <laughs> I think from a customer standpoint, they're probably more interested in will it affect their ability to do their job? How can they use it in their job? Or will it make their jobs superfluous? And will it make their job go away? And I think it's up to us to help them understand how they can make better use of AI to support their jobs. Hello, and welcome to Banking on Disruption. I'm Fred Cavenna. Last week was Dreamforce, and I'm super excited to welcome Janine Marquardt to discuss everything that happened last week. We have a bit of a shorter show for you this time around. After the interview, we won't have a quick takes or an ISV spotlight segment. Instead, I'll have a couple of exciting announcements to share about the show. So stick around after our conversation with Janine. While you're listening to the podcast, why not take a moment to follow us on LinkedIn at at the Banking on Disruption podcast or on Instagram at at Banking on Disruption. Now sit back and strap in because our show is coming to you right now. On this episode, I'm excited to welcome Janine Marquardt. Janine is a highly accomplished Salesforce leader, architect, and strategist with over 15 years of experience delivering complex Salesforce business transformation solutions. She has more than 15 certifications. She volunteers her time as a community group leader, a mentor, a clicked coach, an Amplify BA facilitator, and for Super Badge Sundays. Janine is a seasoned speaker and has shared her knowledge and expertise at many industry events, most recently at Dreamforce 23, which is what we're here to talk about. With a list of accomplishments like hers, I thought Janine was the perfect guest to sit with our audience and just share a little bit insights and reflections on what we all just experienced at Dreamforce, whether we experienced it in person, like Janine and I did, or through Salesforce Plus and catching up and watching sessions, which quite frankly, I think Janine and I are both still doing, even though we were there in person. So Janine, I guess I'll just start off with a, with a broad question. What were the big highlights and announcements from your perspective? Hi, how are you, Fred? Nice to Fantastic. see you and thanks for having me on. Thank you. Glad you're here. Yeah. I mean, obviously, AI was primarily the focus of everything at Dreamforce this year. I they don't they called it the it. largest AI conference in the world. Yeah. Even if you don't believe it, I think that they were trying to make it so from everything every word that they could find where A and I lived together in the word, (laughs) suddenly those two became capitalized in a different color. So even if that wasn't the case, it suddenly became the case. So it was kind of (laughs) very, very in your face, I noticed. So definitely the biggest AI, AI conference in the world, definitely. But I would say that would be the standout. And there was definitely a lot of announcements related to how they're bringing AI into everything Salesforce. So we can definitely talk about how that works and what that means, because I know it's definitely been on all of our tongues over the last few months, how that was going to work for us. 
totally. I'm sure I think you're a lot like like I am. You spend as much time at Dreamforce talking and networking with people as you do, if not more, in sessions. So obviously AI was what was on Salesforce's mind. In general, do you think for the attendees that were there, like were they as excited and focused on AI or were they interested in, in other topics? Maybe, you know, not not more so than AI, but, you know, not to the extent that Salesforce was trying to push it. I think it really depends on each individual person's focus. I think a lot of it, for those of us like yourself and me who are more on the implementation side, we really are curious about AI. We want to know how it's going to affect our day-to-day job. How do we implement it for our customers? Our customers really that interested in it? How will it change our jobs? And really, is anyone pushing for it as hard as Salesforce thinks they're going to push for it? <laughs> I think from a customer standpoint, they're probably more interested in will it affect their ability to do their job? How can they use it in their job? Or will it make their jobs superfluous? And will it make their job go away? And I think it's up to us to help them understand how they can make better use of AI to support their jobs. And especially in the case for us in Salesforce, how do we bring that in and like show them how to, how to use it as a tool and not make them feel like it's a replacement for them, but really just helps them do their jobs better. So I think it really just depends on the focus of anyone's individual job title. I think that makes a lot of sense. The The sessions that you went to or and or watched afterwards on Salesforce Plus, did they hit the mark in your opinion? Were they answering the questions on people's minds about how AI is going to help them, You know how realistic it is, what's the timeline? And those types of questions? I think they tried to. I think that they've kind of jumped jumped out in front of it earlier this year with, oh my gosh, AI, we have to get out in front of it and, and be AI and, and show how we're going to have it be part of this product and we're AI. <laughs> and And this was them saying, okay, we said AI and we said it a lot and and we said it's going to be here and this is what we were meaning, right? So here we're going to show it in, in demonstration, integrated into the product and what that really means and kind of back it up, back it up with some reality. Whereas before they were doing like some smoke and mirrors, waving their hands a little bit. And, and I think that it was good for us to sort of see that in practice because I know a lot of us on the implementation side have been like, okay, but what is this... <laughs> really mean in reality. Yeah. Like, like that's really cool. Like now you've said Einstein GPT and sales cloud GPT and we're like, but what does that really mean? So I think that this was helpful for us to get a feel for what that meant in reality. I have yet to see a customer actually say, great, we want it, put it in. And I haven't heard from any of my other colleagues say, oh yeah, my customers are scrambling for this. I haven't heard anybody say that. So maybe now that people have started to see it like played out, how mm-hmm. it might be useful and that it actually exists. I'm, I'm just going to say that in the air quotes, that it actually exists, that maybe we'll get more calls for it, or maybe it just actually exists. I'm unclear still if it takes a lot of implementation or if it's just there. I don't know if that question's been answered for us yet. 
Yeah, I think I think it varies on the product. I think that Salesforce is doing a very smart thing of baking it into an, and and basically concentrating on making AI available at various interaction points on the platform. I think in a lot of cases it is just going to be there. I think where there's implementation is if you want to take more ownership of that trust layer, if you want to bring in your own model, if you want to do some of that other stuff that you know, probably is a bit of a of a more enterprise approach, then there'll be work. But I think that if you're going to leverage the models that Salesforce is making available, they're putting it out there. And I've I've seen some of the stuff. It seems pretty, you know, pretty easy to start access and using, which is which is fantastic. But I think more to come. Uh, I I I have I've heard a lot of customers ask for AI, but I will say like they don't necessarily know the what, right? They're like, we want to, everybody's using AI, we want to use AI too. But I'm like, okay, so what do you want to use it for? And they're like all, well, we just want to use AI. So I'm I'm hoping, exactly, for stuff, like, you know, we we want to do what the other people are doing. Uh, I'm hoping that, you know, part of what came out of this is people have gotten a little bit clearer idea of where AI could work into their daily workflow. And like, where does it make sense to to use it versus where does you know where is AI maybe you know not going to be the panacea that people think that, that it is going to be? I will tell you outside of AI, one of the highlights that I found the most interesting was was data cloud related. It feels like I'm rewinding a whole year to last year, but I, I will say that I, I've been pleased that I've been able to work with a couple of clients on data cloud stuff. I feel that, and this may just be a personal belief, that it's been pretty inaccessible outside of like the largest, you know, customers just from a a cost and complexity and and all the rest kind of perspective. But I, I love that Salesforce has announced now everyone in enterprise and unlimited gets 10,000 profiles. And 10,000 profiles, you know, may not be enough. I mean, for a lot of companies, it's not going to be enough. But it's enough to run a pretty solid pilot, right? And, you know, and, and for some companies, that might be enough. But, you know, thoughts are, are you on the data cloud train or, or are you a, a data cloud detractor? No, actually, I think that it's an important element for people to take advantage of, honestly. I Where I th- think we're going to be in a little bit of trouble are the people who are still just kind of on the verge of figuring things out. I've had a lot of customers who are like, we need to really rethink our MDM strategy. Can you help us with that? And where I think that there was kind of a, like a, a skip over was, oh, they've just announced Genie. Is that MDM strategy? Uh, not quite. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so it's, it's like we, we almost need to like help them with that strategy still. Like Genie isn't quite that. Data cloud in and of itself isn't quite that. So we still need to help them understand like how to put a strategy in place and that some combination of maybe data cloud and a data lake might be needed. And the thinking part, we still need to help them with, but the underlying structure might be there with these things. And that 10,000 profiles might go a long way towards helping them get there. But we, it, it's not like, Here's sales cloud, and it's the structure to help you use best practices to enable your sales team to do what they need to do. But data cloud isn't like plug and play right. for MDM, nor is Genie, nor is Data Lake. I mean, it's sort of just the infrastructure. So it would be really cool 
if there was some sort of underlying best practices plug and play for folks for that. But even CDP still wasn't that. I mean, so like, it's just, just short, I think, of what a lot of customers need for dealing with their data. So on the upside, we still have a job. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I mean, what, what recommendations did you have, like taking all that into mind, if, if you're sitting here now, this will drop Thursday, so almost a week, you know, I guess a week after Dreamforce ended, and you're like, all right, that data cloud was kind of cool. How do I, you know, how do I move forward? Like, what are you telling people? What, what is your recommendation? I mean, I don't know that that changes much of anything. It's still, right, you, you still need to engage with your consultants, your data consultants to figure out the right strategy for you, right? You still need to talk about what your goals are as a customer, what your needs are and where your existing infrastructure, infrastructure or your existing needs are falling short and work that out, right? So in the true nature of clicked or anything else, right? It depends. I'm not wearing my, it depends shirt at the moment, but, (laughs) but that's really all as a, as a consultant, it's what we say a lot, right? It depends. So what is your need? What are your goals? What do you need to accomplish? And let's work that out. Can the new data cloud, can the new version of Genie or can a data lake, what is it you need? And then let's figure it out. And is what Salesforce is offering enough for you or do we need to expand outside of that? Right. So I think that there's, no, there's no one size fits all here when it comes to data, that's for sure. No, I, I think that's I think that's spot on and definitely insightful. And I think that having the the data strategy and knowing what you want to accomplish is always a good first step rather than just kind of diving in and and and, and tackling something. So I mean, at ho- a, hopefully. Yeah. I was gonna say, I mean, at a minimum, start with your data. Yeah. Make sure it's clean, <laughs> make sure it's accurate, dedupe <laughs> and like those are the most important things. So regardless of where you're going with it and what you need to do with it, if you're thinking of some sort of an AI future, those are the the critical starting points. But like yep. you, you gotta you gotta clean it up, and it doesn't matter who you engage with. It doesn't matter where you're gonna go with it and where you're gonna put it. You gotta have clean data, and there's no there's no consultancy on earth that's gonna do that for you because you are the expert if you're a client and you're, and you're listening to this, right, you've, you've got to be the person responsible for taking a look at it. So you may as well get started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Da- data cleansing is one of those things. There's not a lot of shortcuts to, to cleaning data. It, it really is. I had a, this is someone else on the industry side, but we had a, a couple year project for cleaning up like foreign individual address data. Cause we just didn't do a great job when it was a startup when we started collecting that data of, of standardizing it. And, and it's just, I mean, it's just a slog of kind of going through yeah. and cleaning it up, you know, record over record over record, you know, a couple million records later and, and you're done. But <laughs> totally, totally get that. I, I'm curious, like, you know, obviously there's always roadmap sessions. I went to a couple, I went to the FSC roadmap session as an example whether it was from one of those formal sessions or from an informal chat or just kind of reading between the lines, any takeaways or insights on Salesforce's forward product roadmap? Like, where are they going from here? I am not sure if I heard anything other than AI, honestly. <laughs> I, If they said it, I think all I heard was AI is the future. So I 
you know, do I agree? Do I disagree? I'm not sure. I have, we, we have a tendency, I think, those of us who are sort of been around a while to refer to it a little bit as the, the new shiny thing. So mm-hmm. will we still be talking about AI in a year? I don't even know, right? Will something else surface that's more interesting, more important? Will AI lose its sparkle? I don't actually know the answer to that. I do think that it is important that they, I, I think they're addressing it in the right way. I think that they are looking at it in the right way and saying, especially when we deal with our customers' data, that they're looking at the elements of trust. And can we let our customers know that we are taking good care of their data, that we're taking measures to ensure that we're not letting their data out into the wild, wild west of the mm-hmm. world and and letting their data out to train everybody else's large language models, but that we're just keeping it here inside any individual version of Salesforce. And I think that that's really one of the key important factors. I definitely think that that's important to stress. I think that it's an interesting idea that we're able to take advantage of the algorithms and yet still keep that level of trust. I think that that's correct. I also fear that we may lose some of the advantages of the broader knowledge that could be had across the broader data model because of that. That doesn't mean I disagree with my first statement because of it. So it's it's kind of, there's there's pros and cons. So I think we might have to think about how do we continue to learn and yet protect the data at the same time. So there might be an evolution as to how we treat the models, how we continue to learn from the data that is not sort of identifiable data and yet like i mean because there are trends in the data that i think we can leverage without giving up information about where the data comes from so where does that go i don't know what will we be talking about with this next year i don't know if i could predict that i would (laughs) be so happy but you know as you and i both know we've been around this industry long enough to know that it's grown immensely in this time. It was a very, very simple sales force back when we started. It is grown to be so many things. So I think that we have to just hold on and see where it takes us and decide how we want to focus our energy, right? We can't possibly know everything there is to know about everything Salesforce because we would go nuts. Oh, I mean, it, it, it's impossible. There, there's, there, I have so many, I have so many blind spots. I'd, I'd like to think when, when you and I got started, it was somewhat possible to be a like true platform expert on every part of the product. Now, it's, it's not possible. It's just you, you. There's, there's too much, and there's more features, you know, every day. You know, you mentioned prediction. Do you, do you want to put down a prediction for what's the big theme for Dreamforce twenty four? Oh my god. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> because in all honesty, so here's what's funny. Yep. I probably can talk about this now. Early in 2023, I went to, so they, no surprise, Dream, uh, Dreamforce, Salesforce does market research. Yep. And I was one of the people who did, who went to one of these early market research things. And I went to a, a preview of keynote speed uh, of some of these keynotes for probably for like world tour uh-huh. in early 2020, like very early, like January, 2023. And they were about genie 
and yep. Data Cloud. And we were like, ooh, wow, preview. And they were talking about, like Genie was kind of going away. They were talking about Data Cloud. It hadn't been released yet. They weren't, it was before Data Cloud was Data Cloud. That never got released. Those conversations never happened before right. the pivot to AI happened. And we were like, those of us who were there, like, we're kind of like looking at each other a couple months later when the pivot to AI, AI happened. We're like, wow, that conversation never happened. The whole, because by the time TDX happened, like a month later, yep. the whole conversation has shifted to AI that quickly. I mean, and they're only sort of just starting to have the conversation now about data cloud and shifting that back into the conversation, how it relates to AI, because of course it does. So I can't even begin to predict what's going to happen in a year because it could be, I, I mean, I assume that AI will still be part of the conversation, but mm, could be anything. It could be anything. Crazy. <laughs> so uh, you can't have Dreamforce without like big buzzworthy speakers. And there was a long list of them this year. Any standouts, any, anybody that you were like, wow, I was blown away or conversely, anybody just flopped. Anybody that you're like, oh, I can't believe I waited to see that, that person. I, well, I'm very excited to see Viola Davis and Spike Lee. And I'm hoping that they're on Salesforce Plus because the line was around the block <laughs> and six wide and, and a thousand deep. And I was like, no, because I want to have dinner at some point tonight. And so I, I couldn't do it. And so I, my assumption is that I think it's going to be on Salesforce Plus. And that's basically the new strategy for me is anything that I think is worthy of seeing, I wait to see on Salesforce Plus because it's impossible otherwise. And and I think that that's the way it's got to be. I mean, Rain Wilson, I'm going to hope, is on Salesforce Plus. Like he came on and said, oh, Dave Matthews, did you guys see that? I'm like, Dave Matthews, if I didn't <laughs> know Dave Matthews was at the main keynote, I absolutely would have made a point of going to see that. So that's kind of problematic. And I will say that I, I love the fact that I can now see things after the fact because there are so many things that are overlapping. I can't get to all of them no matter how hard I try. And so I think that it's it's almost like, I don't know if Salesforce Plus is working for or against itself because like I I will skip big sessions that in theory, I think they want a big audience for because I know I can watch it later, but it's also such a great, great innovation. And we absolutely should be leveraging the technology that's at our fingertips yeah. to, to be able to go to more things and see more things. So I was able to go to things that aren't going to be on Salesforce plus so that I can watch the other things later. I'd say I, I'm a big fan of Salesforce plus. I, I wish they were more, transparent about what is and isn't going to be on Salesforce plus. And I, I would even invite a, like a tiered model where some of it is truly free. And then some of it's only available if you have a Dreamforce badge and, and went to the conference. I mean, it was clear everything was, was being at least at, uh, I'll say at least recorded in some amount. Like I, I didn't go to a single session that did not have closed captioning, for example. Yeah, I think it was mm -hmm. AI-generated closed captioning. So it was being recorded in process. Like, I would love to have every session available on, on Salesforce Plus after the fact. Again, probably not for free, but if you if you have a pass, I think that would be great. You and I were talking before we, we hit the record button about the, the summaries, and I think those are interesting. Mm -hmm. I What I haven't done yet 
and I thought about it when you brought it up before, is gone to read a summary for one of the sessions I went to just to see like how how good is the summary compared to what I got out of it, right? So but again, I think I think I think Salesforce definitely realizes there's a lot going on and it's hard for anybody, you know, impossible for anybody to hit anything everything and even impossible for people to hit all the things they want to try to hit. Another thing we talked about before we hit record that kind of ties into it, and I'd love to to talk about it on the show, is all of the extra, you know, outside of the campus pop-up spots, right? And the trend that I noticed that I mentioned was that, you know, I, I've seen those, I've 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 hosted those in 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 my in my career. I'm I'm sure you have as well. But it seems like in the last couple, they're 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 double downing on content and not just re- not just streaming not just come for the happy hour not just like let's meet but like sessions that that either they didn't submit to dreamforce or maybe they submitted to dreamforce and didn't get in and they wanted to host themselves and that's a whole separate like ecosystem what are your what are your thoughts on those pop-ups and did you hit any particularly interesting ones this time around yeah actually we um we spent quite a bit of time at Circante at the Pink Elephant, they had a uh, great food and great yeah. content, so that was a good one to hit. I'm trying to think, what was the other ones that we were at with good content? I think that was the primary one that had the content that we were going to a lot. I'd have to go back. I don't have my my Dreamforce agenda up. No worries. Um, but yeah, that I think that was the one we spent a lot of time at. We went to a number of different like parties and events. I'm. I'm like I'm trying to think of all the different ones, but it's it's really it, it all becomes like a blur at some point, and, it and it's not because I have COVID or anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was the bonus that um, you know dream dream COVID I guess we're calling it at this point dream COVID twenty three. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, although I will say I also did not really so much a pop up, but there was actually more sort of outside of outside of Dreamforce events like a Dreamforce day one, uh, day zero actually for like sales blazers yep. that I participate in, which I thought was really great as a, as a new sales blazer myself, um, newly, newly minted cert- certification. So that was lovely to connect with some folks on the sales blazer side of things, which is not so much on the, you know, consultant side, but on the more user side of the certification and th- that kind of content. So that was that was nice. And I did a, I did a couple, a, one other event that I did actually not at the tower, but just one of the other Salesforce buildings, which was Trailhead is Listening, where we met with some of the folks who, you know, build out Trailhead and who are responsible for the certification content and for Trailhead and got to talk about what was working and not working about Trailhead and that, which is great that Salesforce actually wants our feedback and That's wants fantastic. to hear about what can be done differently and better. And, and that's really a great opportunity for us to enable and, and make better the experience for everybody, you know, so they, and they had a, a range of people who were like people like me and others who are hardcore users and all-star rangers and things like that, all the way down to some brand new users. So that getting a range of experiences on there. So there's really just a range of different things going on from those pop-ups to Salesforce-driven events and and the, and then the core heart of Dreamforce, which is why 
it's just so hard to even get to sessions. And so why we're so grateful that Salesforce Plus continued to be a thing that maybe they envisioned during the, like maybe became a brainchild during the pandemic, but that didn't just go away at the end of it. It really became a property of Salesforce as well. And I hope it continues because it brings this great content to people throughout the world who can't be here for it. And honestly, 40,000 people is still a lot of people. It doesn't have to become 170,000 people again, because really this COVID thing is not going away. And really, I think at least half of us have gotten the COVID thing. <laughs> I don't think we need 170,000 people here to, to do that. So that, that's not going away either. It's already enough, right? It is. I mean, 40,000, 40, I mean, it felt full. I mean, I, I went to the 170,000 one as well. But this this one did not feel empty for for being one one quarter the size, and and I think you know it'll it, people are probably just not as open uh, maybe not the right word but like it's not as spread out yeah they, they just don't yeah well the campus isn't spread out but I think people just may not be as like excited about attending conferences as they were a few years ago like wh- yeah. whether it be you know remote working whether it be you know, health concerns and everything else. I think, I think a, a bit of a hybrid event makes a lot of sense. I'm curious. I I didn't hear. I don't know if you heard or not. Obviously, there was a lot of noise in the weeks leading up to Dreamforce that you know Mark Benioff said, "Oh, maybe it won't be in in San Francisco next year." Have they announced new dates? Is it back in San Francisco or okay? It is. It is. Okay. It is. Um, interestingly enough, because I'm a local. I think it was on Monday, I had like a pop-up from the local news station. Mayor London Breed says, you know, very excited to continue hosting this event every year. You know, like like San Francisco really wants it here, obviously. It's good for our economy. It's it's important. And honestly, like I my my brain was like, there's no way Mark's gonna move it out of the Bay Area. He has contributed so much just being here. The tower. He yep. gives so much Benioff Children's Hospital. He donates so much. And even they announced like $100 million to the schools, $100 million to the hospitals. He gives so much here. I was like, there's no way he's moving it out. There, is, there was an announcement. I don't know where it came from. There was an announcement next year in San Francisco, the 17th through 19th of September. So it is going to be here next year. I don't know if they're going to have the conversation every year. I am sure that I know that the city you know, did do something. They did work hard to really clean up that area. I am sure that there was a lot of effort to move people from the streets, to clean the streets. I am sure that there was huge effort to make people who came here from other places to feel safe as much as possible and to to clean it up. Um, And I'm sure that was no small effort. I'm sure that there was a lot of money involved to help fund that effort. Absolutely. Uh, I have no doubt. But what I can tell you is that what San Francisco is experiencing post-pandemic being worse than what we were experiencing pre-pandemic is not unique to San Francisco. Right. There certainly are elements that are unique in some ways because of our own politics, because of things like that. But I mean, there and there's no easy solution. And certainly if anyone could snap their fingers and have it be easy, of course we would. But everybody who is on the street are also people and we want to have compassion for what they're going through. And we would like there to be a solution where they are happy and find peace. But we, 
it's not an easy solution. There are no easy answers. And like all we can do is our best, but I ask people who are listening, who, you know, want to denigrate the city for whatever reason is just think about the people and understand that everyone has their story and recognize that it's a struggle for us as a city, for the people who live here and would love there to be a solution, would love there to be an easy answer and know that there's lots and lots of factors that go into it and know that when you come here and you come to this city and you spend your money here, that it contributes to helping and that's, that's the best we can do. But I, I just ask for your grace and your compassion for the people who, you know, don't have another place to go. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's a beautiful message. I, I'm like you. I don't know that I ever see Dreamforce moving out of San Francisco. It just doesn't feel like it would be Dreamforce if it moved out of San Francisco. And, you know, to your point, the the investment, the money that goes back into the city, I think that as long as the city will support the conference, I think Salesforce will support the city in in, in keeping it there. And I don't know. I'm I'm not the right person to ask about safety. I generally feel pretty safe. I'm a <laughs> well, rather large male individual. But <laughs> when I was when I was around with other people or just having conversations, like I think that Salesforce did and the city did a great job of of keeping people safe, keep making making you know the streets as as you know accessible for everybody as possible, and and I'm sure it was no small feat. So excited excited to hear that it's officially back in in San Francisco again next year. One, one of the things that I think kind of was left, you, re, you were kind of reading between the lines or, or not officially said, but one of the reasons why we don't make it all the time to as many content sessions as we want to is because of the networking, because of the community, because, and, and, and I always tell people, it's, it's usually my biggest piece of advice find the few sessions that are not going to be recorded that you definitely want to go to, right? But take advantage of the people that are going to be there because most of the stuff you can find online, you can find the recording, you can get the content another way. But meeting people, making those connections, getting that network, you you can't do anywhere else. For you, like any any specific highlights this year from a, a networking and community perspective, any... any uh, particularly exciting events or, or, or happenings? Uh, yeah, actually, we launched, uh, myself, David No, and Jade Keenan, we launched a new virtual, primarily virtual community group called Ohanability. Uh-huh. It's focused on people with disabilities, both seen and unseen, of, of all types. We're not sort of judging or, or you know, making you qualify them, but... One of the things that's sort of always been, let's call it near and dear to my heart, is is this this idea that there are some there's sometimes when you need a little extra help. And it's really hard to get. And actually this dream force was a real challenge for those of us who needed a little extra help getting around or getting help. And in fact, touching back on something you mentioned, you were in every set in a lot of sessions you were at where you saw kind of the readout, the transcript of the session going on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that is there to aid those people who have hearing issues, right? So it's, it's there for them. So there's a lot of work that's being done to really help people with various issues. And they're all based on accessibility. And for as much work as, as being done here or around the world at, at 
people's places of employment, we still have a long way to go. Because even though I had asked for assistance and I had a little mark on my tag that, that noted me as somebody who had a mobility issue, to see me, I mean, yeah, you might see I'm wearing a knee brace, but that doesn't tell the whole story. And even though in theory, I'm supposed to have what's called like a fast pass in line, when I go up to a, a security person at the lunch line and say, is there sort of a fast pass line? Their first reaction, for example, was to say, the back of the line's over there. And I say, excuse me, but isn't there some sort of a fast pass line for people who are disabled? And the back of the line's over there. I'm like, right, I get it. But yeah. I, I thought that there was some sort of a way for folks who are mobility impaired to not have to stand in the line oh, well, if you go up over here and you cross over there and go to the Yerba Buena Gardens, yeah. But see, five feet from me is a lunch. Right. And I'm standing here, right? And so, but like a little thing like that guy saying to me, hi, is there some way I can help you first? Yeah. Instead of just pointing me to the end of the line would really go a long way towards making my experience be better. And then instead of pointing me to the back of the line saying, oh, yes, of course, here's how I can help you. Right. And then now I'm standing around and I'm holding my lunch and uh -huh. there was no way for me to sit. No place to I sit. I can't sit on the floor. Right. I, I, I can't. I physically cannot get on the floor. There was nowhere to go. I stood and I ate that lunch with my fingers because I can't hold the lunch. And I, I mean, I can't. So yeah. finding a, like maybe there's a designated place for people who have mobility issues that can sit down. That's really... I mean, really small things. Or when I ask the people at the information booth, can you help me find a place to sit? Instead of saying, where is your mobility consultant? I don't know. Do I have a mobility consultant? Yeah. Right? Like, help yeah. me. So so we've launched this group called Ahanability. Uh -huh. um, I'll send you a link. So when yeah. you do this. You we'll can, put in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we can post this. but And it's meant to really... We're going to set this up so that people who have different types of issues, who have different types of concerns can help. We can help educate people. We can help educate each other. How can we help each other? How can people help us? How do we find ways to just give some grace to one another and make sure that we have what we need in order to take care of each other? Because it's not that hard. Just say, how can I help you? Yeah. Instead of treating somebody badly right off the bat. No, I, I love that. And I think Salesforce, you know, is always, and I, I think they generally make a fairly good effort in diversity and inclusion and in being being as inclusive as possible to, to all groups. And and sometimes, you know, to your point, you know, when the rubber hits the road at the end of the line, that message doesn't always get carried all the way through. So I love that. I think that's really exciting. And we'll definitely put it in the show notes and, and people will hopefully get involved, you know, as a, as an advocate or an ally, or, or if you, if you have some call to actions on there, you know, we'll, we'll send those out as well. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that Salesforce does an incredible job of all of those things. And, and I think that it's true that, that it's, it's, it's finding how to make sure that, that information makes it all the way to that very last person who ultimately is going to be the person I come in contact with, because it's one thing, for Mark Benioff to say it or for Charlie Isaacs to say it, or even the accessibility group to be right. putting that out and, and helping me make sure, because 
I went to my sessions and there was a seat with a tag on it that had my name. So I knew that I had a place to sit down when I got there late because I moved slow. So that was amazing. Mm -hmm. But it needs to make it to every single security person. It needs to make every person who's working a line. It needs to like the message has to go to every single person who's part of that organization putting on the show how to treat people with some grace and some dignity who it's already hard enough to say, I need help. Like that's hard when you're an independent woman who has made her way through this world. And now I have to say, I need help getting my Mm -hmm. lunch. Yeah. Like that I've got to ask, but then to be yelled at by somebody who's like half your age, (laughs) like, like it's, it's, it's enough, right? You know, it's enough. Like treat me with some dignity. Yep. Don't treat me like a child. Don't treat me like a nuisance. Just treat me with some dignity. I'm not here breaking the rules. I'm not carrying a gun. I just want my lunch. Yeah. And I don't want to stand in line for 20 minutes because that is very, very painful. So Yeah. No, I, I think I think that's I think that's beautiful and I think that's spot on. And I'm excited for the group that that you've been pioneering. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate uh, the time, especially, you know, we're all swamped after Dreamforce and to make time just a few days after the conference wrapped up. I really, I really, really appreciate it. Other than obviously we'll put the accountability in the, in the show notes. Any other way that people can reach out if they're interested in connecting with you, learning more about any of the exciting stuff that you're working on? Yeah, sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. I think you've got that link as well. Yep. Uh, please do follow me. And certainly you can follow me on my trailhead profile. I can make sure you have that as well for your notes. And those are the easiest ways to find me right now. Perfect. Well, that sounds great. Yeah, well, thank there's, you. There's Twitter too, but I don't do that much. <laughs> I think, I think Twitter was supplanted with X and oh, I yeah. just, I just read an article today that they're going to start charging for it. So I I already didn't I already didn't use it now I'm going to not use it even more. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much and have a great Thanks rest of your day. You too. Thanks so much. Well, everyone, we hope you enjoyed episode 12 of Banking on Disruption. I know I did. Don't forget you can find show notes and a full transcript of the show on our website bankingondisruption.com. I mentioned in the intro some exciting announcements. So first, with last week being Dreamforce, we hosted our first ever Banking on Disruption meetup. It was an awesome opportunity to meet and network with guests and supporters of the show on a beautiful rooftop in the shadow of the Salesforce Tower. Thanks again to our partners, Formstack, for co-hosting it with us. If you want to see pictures of everything you missed, visit dreamforce.bankingondisruption.com. We're absolutely looking forward to hosting another one at the next Dreamforce and are looking for opportunities to do similar meetups at world tours and dreaming events, so keep posting. In sadder news, Dane is elected to take a hiatus from the show. He's been a great co-host, getting us relaunched and through our first 10 episodes, and I can't thank him enough. For now, we will continue the interviews with me as the host and interviewer for our main segments. We're also reimagining Quick Takes. It doesn't really work as a solo proposition, and as much as I liked our bot Charlotte from episode 10, we'll be moving to more of a round-robin quick takes, with a total of four of us weighing in on topics. I'll be dropping who the new quick take members are over the next two weeks, 
and our first news segment will air in two weeks on October 5th. I will say this, two of the three panelists are former guests in the program, so if you want to take a guess, please feel free to post it to our LinkedIn page or Instagram. We also got such good feedback from our ISV Spotlight with Gong that we're going to make that a regular feature as well. ISV Spotlights will be special standalone shows that will drop on opposite weeks from the main show. Look for the first one on October 12th. Until then, new episodes drop every other Thursday, so we'll see you in two weeks. And in the meantime, don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at at BankingOnDisruption. Until next time, this is Fred Cavena wishing you success in your digital pursuits. Thank you.